I'm Masood Milas. This is my journey into the music industry. I just bought myself a pocket synthesizer, and I want to sell my beats to Drake. Um, oh, I gotta get this out. Oh, I need that coin. Yeah, get myself one of them super yachts. Ooh, I could, I could like live on a yacht in the summer and then in the house in the winter. Oh, but I don't know anything about this. Like, what, what does an ARR man do? How do I meet these guys? I mean, is it hard to get noticed? Do I need a yacht to make music? Big question. A lot of people say it's uh, more like um and ah. Um and ah usually involves standing at the back of the gig looking at your phone. Ah. <laughs> so that's at me at every gig. Brilliant. Okay. In, the, uh, in the modern world. Now, I, I, traditionally, A&R basically stands for artist and repertoire. Right. And uh, it's a person at a record label. Mm-hmm. Who looks after the artist? Who who finds the artist? Helps okay. helps find and discover and nurtures the artist, yeah. and helps them make a record. You make the best record, and once we've done that, then another job starts. Mm-hmm. Whereas we have got to get we've got to get this out to the world. It's our job. Then we've got this piece of vinyl, this CD, or this digital file, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we've got to get this out to the world. It's our job then to get it out to the world, yeah, and to make people realize how brilliant this is. Oh, look, there's Phil. Hey, Phil, Phil, Phil. Yeah. Okay, Phil. Should I like? So, so what do I do? Like, I got the record. Now what? Do I just start knocking on doors? I used to get a bus down to Dublin and walk around the, the town wow. and p- post blank CDRs through them. Yeah. And one of them got back in contact and quite liked it actually and followed us around. Oh, but wow. like you know the old usual like, oh, <laughs> send us what you've got. Send us more <laughs> stuff. And you're like. It took us a bit a million years to save up for this recording. Sent it around a couple of dry emails and got nothing oh, okay. back. Yeah. I've like. If you consider all of the emails that I've sent before Radio 1 and all the emails I've sent since Radio 1, yeah. I've definitely still sent more than I've got <laughs> yeah, replies from. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just, if oh, you, man. If, like, if, if you're working in music and you haven't sent more emails than you've got replies to, yeah. if that if that ratio is like, um, not 50-50, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You need to have sent way more emails. Oh, 100% than you've it, received. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you need to build this tough skin. God, you know what? You know what I need? Sit down in a pub, have myself a pint, think it over, maybe even write it down. That might be helpful. Oh, nice one. John and James are in the pub. Fancy them being in here. Okay. Listen, so I've sat on the physical and I've had no reply, so I'm on track. How how am I going to get anyone to release this? Do, do A&R guys venture it out? Obviously, there's a very old-fashioned way of going to gigs at the dog and duck on a Tuesday night <laughs> at half past eight to go and see Bim Bam Bom. Yeah. You know, because you've heard a room and they're great, and yeah. you watch Bim Bam Bom and you love them. Yeah. So you go back to your record label. Uh, if you're working for somebody and you, you try and convince the label to b- sign this al- this artist. Yeah. So you sign Bim Bam Bom. Yeah. And then you make you – know, you, Decide who's going to produce Bim Bam. Oh, there's the other way you you troll the internet, or as yeah. I like to say, uh, one surfs the World Wide Web. <laughs> how long are you with them for on that? Basically, how long is a piece of string? I mean, right. it can take it can take minutes, you know, yeah. hours. Right. You know, especially in this day and age, you could find I could find a band today. Yeah. I go and see a band in East London tonight, and just go, oh my days, these are incredible. I can't believe nobody's on it. I can speak to them. Mm-hmm. We can do a little handshake deal on something. We can put a track on the internet 
it tonight. Wow. Okay. You yeah. know, in theory, yeah. in theory, we could, and huh. you know, and and they could be getting written about within forty eight hours on blogs. You'll get A and R people who, who offer the world to a band. Yeah. I'm going to give you this much money, and you're going to be on top of the pops with it. If whatever TV program you're going to be on the radio one A list within nine months, and yeah. we're going to get so and so to produce your record, and you're going to be a star. Yeah. And, you, and the bands are just going, but they're young lads, young girls, whatever. You just go, oh, my day, this guy. And this guy's got a nice office, this NR guy. And he's had a bit of history as well. He's yeah. he signed a couple of big acts in the past. Well, and they're it, going, yeah. this guy knows what he's talking about. He's just, now, be, a bad NR will get that band to sign on the dotted line and then he'll hand them over to somebody oh, else. Oh, I see, yeah. yeah so okay, he, yeah. so he, if and when that band does fail, he's not going to take the rap for of it. Course, of course, he's not going to take the rap. He's, right. he's giving it to somebody else oh. to look after. Tell me what you think about uh, about my progress on this beat. It's good, right? Masood, I mean, come on, man. I mean, that's just not very good, is it? I mean, let's be honest. It's like, I mean, I've heard so much better. You can do so much better than that. Oh, man, my beat sucks. You know what was good? That track I heard in the pub last night. You know what? I should sample it. Like, can I? Can I? Should I try to hide it? Like, you sample, you know, press my own, John? We started to make our own. Right. So we did Say Kids, which was, you know, Matt had made this cassette tape originally. Mm-hmm. And we developed that and we made it, we decided we we're going to put it out on a record. Wow. So um, even though in theory it was a complete contravention of copyright, <laughs> when we went to the pressing plant, we, we assumed an identity. Yeah. And then we got 500 pressed mm-hmm. and then we sat with a, um, a soldering iron, so like a hot metal pin, yeah. and, um, and removed the matrix code, which is in the center of the print, so nobody could trace it back to where it had been pressed. Whoa. Um, you know, we were kind of worried that there would be a knock on the door saying, you, you know, you boys yeah. have broken the law. But actually, we discovered that really, uh, you know, the classic phrase, where there's a hit, there's a writ. So yeah. at that point, these were underground records. Oh, I've got an A&R hangover. Oh, James made it sound so easy. Oh, you know, I wonder what Raph thinks. Raph, do you have a do you have a Baraka or a fizzy the fizzy thing? Thank you. When you were when you were signing bands, what was something that you'd like you'd look for? Because you talked about fun. That sounded like that's an important part. Was that something you looked for? I think people who were sort of honest about who they are, probably. And some, you know, which means sometimes you're really pissed off and you want to kick the bins, and other times you, yeah, up for having a laugh. You know, I think that's just the sort of light and shade of things. A bit of, just a bit of honesty. I think people who are up for experimenting with sound, I think, is a thing that I always look for. And also, just someone who's kind of prepared to get on with their own hustle. Yeah, I think we like we used to receive a lot of these demos from bands who were like, "But we sound like the Libertines. Why won't you sign us?" It's like, well, because there's already Libertines, and also <laughs> like. What can we do to make you like us? It's like, just go away and start again or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I need, if I want to sign your group, I need to be the biggest fan, no question. I'm going to need at least one of those things, but I need some sycophants on my side. But Okay, but what if my ego gets boosted and then I get a bad review? How am I going to handle that? What if no one likes it? Oh, and what do you know? There in a cactus shop is beans on toast. 
Beans, is bad press difficult? Certainly, I've had some like scathing album reviews yeah. that have put me in like, yeah, I see your point. <laughs> you just go, well, was, yeah. What, yeah, what a waste of time. Next one's going to be better than that. Yeah, right. So just taking it on and just going, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, certainly with with if someone's reviewing your album in a magazine and they don't like it, you've got to remember that chances are you paid someone yeah. to send them the album to ask for their opinion. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know, like if they don't like it, you know, like. So be it. You yeah. can't then say, well, your opinion doesn't count. It's yes, like, you asked for it. It you did, yeah. Did. We paid yeah. you to, to yeah. take it. Oh, so how many songs do I need for an album? Like, I've got I've got one. Will that do? And how did you know when your album was, like, how did you know when your album was ready? I counted up all the songs I had, and I had, like, 46 songs. So I was like, well, I'll write four more, and we'll just do a 50-track album. <laughs> we'll just call it 50. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think when the when the chap, Extra Mile Recordings, was the label, and uh, Charlie, who runs it, he suggested I do the album. And that, they sort of come and said, can you, you know, like, do you want to put the record out? Initially, I was like, I'll probably want to do something really annoying. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't know. And then I come back, I was like, I'm going to do a 50-track album. <laughs> and I want it in a double CD like the oh, old, now yeah, that's yeah, what I call yeah, music yeah. things. And he was like, that's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Let's that do pretty it. Much, he was like, that pretty much wipes off any profit you're going to make off selling the CD. I was like, but it's going to look cool. Yeah, it's going to look great. It's gonna... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were short songs. you know. And, that's, and since then, I, I actually, although it was nine years last year, I got my maths a little bit wrong and mm. I celebrated the 10-year anniversary of that album yeah. last year by releasing it on vinyl. And uh, it could just about squeeze onto... A sort of standard plan of vinyl. So as much as I had 50, you know, 50 tracks, it was yeah. about as long as... And the guy was like, you're going to lose a little bit of quality. And I was like, well... <laughs> you know, like, or pay double the amount or, you know, yeah. I was like, these were also recorded in, with some pretty cheap microphones in someone's, you know, attic <laughs> yeah. a long while away, a long time ago. So, yeah, that yeah. was, you know, that was it. That was long time ago. <laughs> well... I'm not going to write 50 beats. I think 12 will be enough. Hmm. Am I going to have a difficult second album? Is that even a thing? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm a big, big fan of Metronomy, and Joe's songwriting is amazing. And lucky for me, I've just been introduced to Anna Pryor, their drummer. So I'm off to have a chat with her right now. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I ha I've often wondered this myself. I think if you've had great success, like immediately with your with your first record, you you then have this pressure on you by your fans and by the record company to produce something equal to or greater than what you released. And that pressure, when you're writing, I think it can kind of it can have a negative effect on your confidence in how you write. I guess. Um, I mean, with Metronomy, it was it was the third record that that put Metronomy on the map more um, than the first two. So it was kind of quite straightforward, I think, for Joe because he'd, he'd already kind of built up a lot of his confidence in the first two records, and then yeah, so it was quite straightforward for him to kind of move forward with um, you know the fourth and fifth and sixth. Okay, cool. Oh, thanks, Anna. Okay, so right now. First number one album. Okay. Raf, honestly, what are my chances? Is this something you've ever done? James had signed a band called The View from Dundee. Yeah. And it just sort of, it flew from the off. They just were huge. They were a really likable band. 
and they had a couple of great singles and and it you know we we started the label in january i can't maybe 2006 or 2005 and then january the following year yeah that album went to number one they sold a hundred thousand records first week wow wow so why the first wow okay wow. yeah no yeah. i know and That's that was crazy i know it was crazy yeah i think most people who've ever been to a record shop in scotland went out that week basically <laughs> so it's so all of scotland okay yeah <laughs> um anyway we were quite cocks of the walk after that success yeah, in such a short time and um we spent a load of columbia's money <laughs> and um <laughs> call you soon okay what do we got i need that money that's what i need mm. okay so i don't have to write 50 tracks but you know more than one should do oh gotta get those beats going gotta get the hook i can handle bad reviews just gotta take it in my stride get those a and r guys to see you nice and early get some buzz Someone answer me. <laughs> <laughs>